Hello again, everyone, and welcome to it. It is the Derek Hunter Podcast for May the 12th, 2022. How are you? Happy Thursday. Glorious Thursday. Almost Friday. I'm Derek Hunter. I'm your Mr. Rourke. I am your host. Appreciate the use of yours. I'm wearing, as I see my reflection in the computer, I'm wearing a Gilligan hat. Except it's blue and not white. Anyway, it's one of those things you pick up at the beach because you buy stupid stuff at the beach. Uh, action-packed program for you today. Just let me remind you about the Curse Program, the Week in F and Review, and people ask, how can they support the show? Patreon.com slash Derek Hunter Podcast. Five bucks a month, minimum. Everything in, everything is appreciated, but to get you all the bonus material there. Or uh, you can PayPal if you really want, and I can email it to you at uh, DerekAllenHunter at gmail.com. D-E-R-E-K-A-L-L-A-N-H-U-N-T-E-R at gmail.com, and uh, I can send you it through the mail. If you, Some people are like, I don't like Patreon. I get it, I get it. But uh, it's the most convenient one for me, and I'll figure out one of the other ones soon, I promise. It's just with everything going on right now, now is not the time for me to sit down and figure out new technology, at least to figure it out right. So what's set up now is set up by the Daily Caller, and it's still working, thank God, knock on wood. Let's keep that going and be happy with that. Anyway, all uh, right. So I appreciate all that. Don't forget to enter the contest and everything there. And I'll post some pictures tomorrow from the, uh, we're going on a tour of the Mormon temple. So I'll talk about that in a second. But first, let's just, let's officially just start the show. There is a lot going on in the world and a lot of absurdity and insanity going on. We'll talk a little bit about what the president said in his press briefing slash taking a couple of questions and making a complete ass count of himself thing in a second. But yesterday, for the first time, Joe Biden, as dumb as what he said was, and we'll cover how dumb what he said was, for the first time in Joe Biden's historic president, they got to throw in the history. It's historic, don't you know? It's historic. He's got a woman vice president. He's got a, a black lesbian press secretary starting next. It's, it's, it's historic. First of all, the press secretary position was, wasn't created until the 1920s. The, uh, some media outlet was like, uh, for the first time in almost 250 years, gay black people, women, will be able to look up and see themselves represented in the White House press briefing. Well, there haven't been that many press secretaries, and the press secretary position wasn't started until 1929. So you would think that a media organization would know this, would learn this. And, in fact, the first black woman to address the press briefing was in 1991, I believe it was, under George H.W. Bush. But Republicans don't get credit for those sorts of things because they don't seek credit for those sorts of things. We don't care about those sorts of things, whereas Democrats live for those sorts of things. Because they bring nothing else to the table. They don't bring honesty. They don't bring particular uh, intelligence or anything like that. They just show up and say, I'm this gender. I'm attracted to this gender. And here's my skin color. That's their resume. It's like a headshot, like for an actor. It's pathetic. Anyway, they're, uh, for the first time in the historic Biden presidency, 
the president himself wasn't the most embarrassing part of his administration. Just for a day, just for a day. Janet Yellen, who they say is a woman, but you wouldn't know it by the voice. So I'm just, I'm going to respect her pronouns and just make a leap of faith here. Janet Yellen was up, uh, she is, uh, she was up at uh, Capitol Hill talking about the economy and instead decided to opine on the Democrats. The one thing about them is they absolutely coordinate everything. They coordinate every single damn thing. So you get the secretary of the treasury up there. She used to be, uh, you know, at the, the fed. Now she's at uh, treasury and they got her talking about abortion. Why? Because Democrats are of a single mind, a hive mind, when it comes to everything, particularly their favorite pastime, which is abortion. So Senator Bob Menendez of New Jersey is asking her, the Treasury Secretary, about what impact, if the Supreme Court decision is accurate and it stands, what impact would repealing Roe v. Wade have on the economy? And I bet you didn't know this. I bet you didn't know that you might have thought it was, I don't know, World War Two and the fact that Europe was in shambles after World War Two that built our economy that really did great things. It might have been the Industrial Revolution. It could have been capitalism. All of these things that you probably thought were the reason the United States was the economic engine of the world, our liberty, our freedom, our constitution, whatever. But you would have been wrong on all of those things. According to the Treasury Secretary, the biggest economic boom you can, not cutting taxes, not moving regulation, removing regulation, nothing of the sort. The best thing you can do for the economy is have abortions. Stop having babies. It's a bit of a problem when you're, you know, the person overseeing Social Security says what we need is fewer people paying Social Security taxes uh, or fewer people existing as more and more people retire. That just would cause the collapse of Social Security. But we're not dealing with people who are honest here. We're not dealing with people who are good people here. We're dealing with leftists with an agenda, an agenda uberalis, and they will not let anything stand in their way. So you have Janet Yellen uh, and Senator Menendez. Senator Menendez is first, and then there'll be a slight change. You might not be able to notice the difference between their voices. But when the voice goes deeper, that's Janet Yellen. <laughs> not, I'm only partially kidding. Actually, I'm not kidding at all. Listen to it for yourself. What impact will the loss of abortion access mean economically for women? Well, I believe that eliminating the right of women to make decisions about when and whether to have children would have very damaging effects um, on the economy and would set women back decades. Roe v. Wade and access to reproductive health care, including abortion, helped lead to increased labor force participation. It enabled uh, many women to finish school. That increased their earning potential. It allowed women to plan and balance their families and careers. And research also shows that it had a favorable impact on the well-being and earnings um, of, of children. Um, there are many research studies that have been done 
um, over the years, looking at the economic impacts of access or lack thereof to abortion, and it makes clear that denying women access to abortion increase their odds of living in poverty or need for public assistance. Right. <laughs> Who knew? And even abortion even benefits children. I don't know how you square that circle. I don't want to know how you square that circle. But you, uh, if if you suspected that this sounded rehearsed, you would be right. They were both reading from a prepared script given to them, probably by party elders. Literally, they're they're holding the pieces of paper. It was the worst Kabuki theater ever. Do I think Janet Yellen loses sleep over uh, abortion? Probably not. She apparently had one kid. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know about that. But all right. Well, there you go. But yeah, don't you love it? Well, to, to get a, a better living less in poverty. They do this. They do that. They do the other thing. And you're sitting there and you're going, why does any woman ever have a child? My God. This is... If you want to, Regis Philbin sitting there, dead, rotting corpse. Who wants to be a millionaire? And instead of 15 questions you have to answer, he's got a, a table with stirrups and says, come on, this is the fastest way. You could try to answer those questions, but you're not going to be able to do it. You're not that smart. But get on this table and you're well on your way to becoming a millionaire. The Treasury Secretary. The Treasury Secretary. <laughs> poverty, poverty, poverty. By the way, the uh, the greatest anti-poverty program is being a part of an intact family. But Democrats don't see any mileage out of the family. People who like their families, people who are into family, people who appreciate the concept of family, you know, normal family that you've heard of, is uh, are Republicans. They tend to vote Republican, so they have to degrade that and they say, well anything is a family right a thruple is a family they've got uh, you know six people are all sleeping together and they've got a bowl of fish and a cat that stares at the bowl of fish and that's a family who's to say what a family is well everybody everybody is to say what a family is all right we all know all of human history knows what a family is you don't have to like what a family is but you don't get to redefine what a family is Janet Yellen and, uh, well, Senator Menendez wasn't done. It's it's quite amazing. This kabuki theater where they're literally reading their, their script, their lines. Hollywood will not be calling. They uh, he, He's got a, a nice close here that the uh, press shop over at the DNC came up with. And so Menendez delivers it. Half of the uh, population of America eliminating a right that has existed for half a century particularly for low-income and minority women who have already shouldered much of the burden from the COVID pandemic would be a, a disaster. Just be a disaster. Just be a Particularly, especially, they love that carve-out, especially, especially. It'll be hard for everybody, but especially women, minorities, poor women, blah, blah, blah. These Democrats really honestly, truly believe that there isn't a black woman out there who can take care of themselves. How do you get dressed in the morning, black women, without government standing there, without someone like uh, Senator Menendez, who, who would probably pay you decent money if uh, his history is any, to stand there and help you get dressed and other things? <laughs> 
Google it. But I uh, sit there and you, you hear these people go, oh, there's no way black women could ever take care of them. Poor women are incapable of tying their own shoes. You need slip-on shoes if you are off-white and or poor. That's just it. Everybody else is stupid. That's the mindset of the progressive, by the way. It is the basis of progressivism is that people are just too damn stupid to take care of themselves. We are smarter than they are. We are better than they are. We are better equipped than they are to uh, help them. We know what's best for them. And so we shall enact laws that force people to act in a way that is in their own best interest because they're too damn stupid to do it themselves. If you think I'm joking, I'm not. Think about everything Democrats want to do. It is to force people to do things. One way or another, force people to do things that they believe, or at least claim to believe, will make their lives better. Whereas most people are free to make their own decisions. You would think these people, if they really wanted to improve their lot in lives, quit smoking crack, you know, get up in the morning, get a job. No, 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 no. We're going to give you money. We're going to, we're going to take money from somebody else and give it to you. Wow. It's very generous. I would, I'd be the most generous person in the world if I was giving people money. Anyway, uh, watching that exchange between Yellen and Menendez was Senator Tim Scott. So he asked, uh, Mr. Yellen, uh, Janet Yellen. I don't, I don't know. I don't have any proof of anything. It's just going by the fact that she sings the bass part for the Oak Ridge Boys in her spare time. Just, just saying. Um, <clears throat> Janet Yellen. Janet Yellen was asked again about this, and she goes on and repeats it because you sit there and you, if you heard that for the first time, you're probably going, "What in the hell?" Did you just say that everybody should abort their babies because it's better for them economically? Is that that really where we are as a society? Government makes life far too expensive to uh, easily have children. So you said, well, here's a solution. Kill your babies and uh, then you can go on great vacations to the beaches of south sunny, sunny south Florida. So uh, she repeats it. And she talks about particularly minorities again, because that's what Democrats do. They love to segregate out minorities. <laughs> They've been doing it their entire existence as a party, all the way back to the founding of the country. Um, and at the end, you'll hear Senator Tim Scott point out that he is a child of extreme poverty, of a single black mother, the people that Janet Yellen would love to have aborted. And don't get me wrong, the left wishes Tim Scott were aborted. But he's quite proud of the fact and happy with the fact that he was not. Because this guy, thanks to the greatness of the United States of America, went from that extreme poverty to the halls of the United States Senate, uh, defying everything Democrats say about this country. Listen to it. ...are of teenage women, um, particularly low-income and often black, who um, aren't in a position to be able to care for children, have um, unexpected pregnancies, and it deprives them of the ability often to continue their education, to later participate in the workforce. So there, there is a spillover into labor force participation, yeah. but yeah. and uh, it means that children will grow up in poverty yeah. and do, do worse themselves. Thank and you. Let me, is, let me just say my time harsh. on the topic. This is I, the truth. I'll just simply say that as a guy raised by a black woman in abject poverty, I'm thankful to be here as United States Senator. So gross. 
so gross. Well, abject poverty, they do this, that, especially minority, they get trapped in poverty. It's really, do you want a child to, to live in a life where they only stand a chance of not living in poverty? Or would you rather them never exist at all? I think the compassionate road is for them to have never existed at all. I don't, I don't understand what's wrong with these people. Actually, I do. They're power-mad lunatic leftists who don't give a damn and will do or say anything to get their way. That's exactly who they are. Just so you notice what the difference is in, uh, well, where the Democratic Party is. You heard Janet Yellen. You heard Senator Bob Menendez. Now I want you to hear the racist founder of Planned Parenthood, Margaret Sanger. You just heard... Uh, Janet Yellen talk about how, oh, you know, it's poverty and you get out of poverty and blah, blah, blah. Here's Margaret Sanger in 1957, just as a reminder, we played this the other day, just as a reminder um, of really what the Democratic Party's thinking is. Do you believe in sin? When I say believe, I don't mean in believe in committing sin. Do you believe there is such a thing as, a, as sin? Well, I think the greatest sin in the world is bringing children into the world that have disease from their parents that have no chance in the world to be a human being, practically. Delinquents, prisoners, all sorts of things just mark when they're born. That, to me, is the greatest sin that people can, can commit. <laughs> it's the same thing. Look, they're born into poverty, and they're not going to get out of poverty. There's no way they get out of poverty. It's better to just abort them right away. And then you can go on to fabulous win, fabulous prizes. They started Planned Parenthood to eliminate as many minority children and as many poor whites as they possibly could. And more than 100 years later, in congressional testimony, they pretty much confess that they're doing the exact same damn thing. Everything old is new again. It's progressive. Now, you've heard Margaret Sanger parrot what Democrats are doing now. Now let's talk about the practical effect of this. The um, you're not gonna, you're going to hear three different voices. These are people. It was a compilation put together by the libs of TikTok account on Twitter, where these leftists are saying, "Don't have a kid." Not because of Janet, Janet Yellen saying, well, it's the best thing you can do for the economy. That's what you can do best for your economic situation is not have children have an abortion. This will get you out of poverty. No, uh, she sounds like a male version of Bernie Sanders when she talks and says poverty, by the way. But uh, no, 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 this is about climate change. It's all the same result. Everything is connected. The liberal agenda, the liberal policies, the liberal side of the ledger is a very intricate mosaic, a puzzle, if you will, that individually each piece doesn't really like each other. They don't really go together well. But if they're put in their right place, they work for Democrats. And one leads to another. So you have the fetishizing of abortion. And then you have the fetishizing of the doom cult of climate change. And so you have this, uh, they're coming together in this clip. It's three leftists, youngish leftists in their 20s, maybe one of them's in their 30s, 
talking about how they're not going to have a kid and you don't have a kid and people shouldn't have kids. Don't have kids. Not because your economic situation will improve so greatly, in the words of our Treasury Secretary, but because we're all going to be dead inside of 30 years. One chick says like 10 years. One day, I hope to live long enough to see these people, you know, come to the realization that they were lied to. I don't know if they ever actually will. Some of them will have to. But I want to be there when they have that moment, that epiphany, when that uh, 20-year-old had herself sterilized because it's just wrong to do this to the planet. We're killing the planet. And in 20, 30 years, when everything is not doom and gloom, New York City is not covered in water. People are not turning into mermen. It's not water world. I want to be there when they go, my God, I didn't have any children. I didn't get married. I didn't have any. My whole life, I did, I was li- everything about my life was lies. I want to be there, not to laugh at them. I just want to see it. I might laugh at them, to be honest. But I really just want to see that moment of the realization coming over somebody's face that everything they've done was under a false pretense. Because, uh, who am I kidding? I want to say I told you so. I want to I want to have that moment. I want everybody else to see that moment so that they don't fall for the next thing or actually when it comes to climate change they'll still be pushing the same garbage. They'll go, oh no 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 people are going to die the world only has a uh, 100 years left cuz these are people who are believing the old lie that you had 8 years, 10 years, 30 years, whatever. That's no longer operative. Even the most ardent leader in the environmentalist nutjob movement is saying 100 years. Oh, no, in 100 years, there's going to be more lightning. There's going to be more of this. There's going to be more of that. There's going to... Why 100 years? Because after, you know, 30 plus years of 10 years, we're all going to die. They got sick of looking like fools because after 10 years, we weren't all dead. And not only that, after 10 years, things hadn't even gotten worse. After Katrina, what did they say? There's going to be more hurricanes like this and we're all going to die from them and it's going to be worse and more frequent and worse and worse and worse. And then what happened? We had 15 years where a hurricane did not hit the continental United States. It just didn't happen. They couldn't explain it, so they just denied that it happened. And then hurricanes start up again. Hurricanes happen during hurricane season, I know. Or a tornado happens and they go, see, this tornado was massive. And you can always find a bigger example or an example of a bigger storm from long before the SUV was invented, long before the internal combustion engine was invented. But it doesn't matter. They don't care. They just say, well, look at this tornado. They don't want you to think, well, that part of the country is called Tornado Alley. And it is what is referred to as tornado season. So maybe we shouldn't be surprised that there was a tornado in Tornado Alley during tornado, tornado season. You know, just, just throwing it out there. Tragedy, yes, horrible, awful. But maybe, maybe we want to look at this a little bit more critically. Might be a smart way to go. But they don't want you to think critically. They don't want you to be smart. They want you to be like these three women in this TikTok video saying don't have kids because of climate change.
You know you're a millennial when you question whether or not it's ethical to bring children into this world. Because of climate change. We don't really know whether or not the world's going to be habitable in 30 years. So why would I bring children into this world? <laughs> so I've had two abortions. Nothing medical. I just find it incredibly morally unethical to bring another human being, another child, into this late-stage capitalistic shit show that is causing the literal extinction of our species in our lifetime. This child that you want born so badly isn't going to live to see 30, and I need you to hear that. I need you to understand it. But enough about climate change. While the rest of us sit back and watch the planet slowly die, and I know we all feel helpless, but there's one thing worth a try. Don't have a baby. Don't bring a new life in the world. I know they're cute with their little hands and the way their fingers curl. But don't have a baby. Resist that primal urge to breed. Cause give it ten or so more years and they won't be able to breathe. Ten or so more years you won't be able to breathe. Now, now that I think about it even more, the gene pool is probably better off without these people in it, if we're just being honest. But this is the world that the left has created. This is the brainwash. You sit there and you say you can't... You can't brainwash people. You're not grooming people. Just talking about trans issues and making them play different pronouns and and pretend to be different genders and say every choice is valid. And try. No, you can convince young people of just about anything if you're in a position of authority. These morons did not in their mid-20s go, oh, my God, my eyes are opened now. No, this is the end result. This is 12 years of public education, I would guess, at least public indoctrination through education. And they're out there. These are the type of people who will get sterilized. Not that they'll be missed in the gene pool, mind you. But their mentality is shared by a lot of people. And I want to be there when, like the last woman, in 10 years they won't be able to breathe. I want to be there in 10 years when she's probably had a tubal ligation and is sitting around going, what happened? Why Why can't... what uh, People can breathe. What's going on here? New York City is not underwater. The new cover of Newsweek. If, they, if you can find a print edition of Newsweek, which I don't think you can find a print edition of Newsweek, but if you can find a print edition... I don't even think dentist's office get Newsweek anymore. But they have the, the cover right there. There's the Statue of Liberty up to her nose underwater. And the headline, Deep Trouble. The new age of big storms threatens coastal cities like New York, and we're not ready. And the we're not ready is all in caps, so you know they're totally for serious. You can put that right next to the coming Ice Age story from like 1974 from Newsweek in the paranoia porn that they have, but there is an audience for this. There are people who are desperate to believe these sorts of things. And they're out there singing on TikTok about don't have a kid because you're not going to be able to breathe and abort your baby. I've had two abortions just because there's no way that a kid in 30 years would do it. You almost feel bad for them until you realize like some people, some people you got a friend who starts dabbling in hard drugs, you try and pull them aside and you try and smack it out of them. You shake it out of them. You're going, what the hell's going on here, dude? You didn't... No, 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 no. 
You can stop. But when they're full-blown Hunter Biden stage of drug addiction, you're not going to be able to shake it out of them. You're not going to be able to get it out of them. You kind of have to let them go. Some people are meant to lead lives of shining examples. And other people are meant to be cautionary tales. And you just heard from three cautionary tales. Hopefully, a bunch of people learn from that and then vote accordingly. That's the most important part. Because what's the point of learning if you don't apply it? Okay, now I want to shift because, you know, you got Yellen and is, was the most embarrassing member of the, the Biden administration yesterday. But it was a photo finish, a photo finish. The, the president himself, I think the vice president wasn't out there in front of cameras, so she, she didn't have a chance to compete for a medal. We'll give her the honorary bronze. But uh, the president of the United States, this might be his first non-gold but it was a very close one. They're still they're drug testing jug, uh, Janet Yellen to make sure that there were no performance, I guess it would be performance hindering drugs in her system to make sure that uh, this victory of being the most embarrassing member of the Biden administration was on the up and up. So the president came out and tried to defend his administration or was supposed to defend his administration from itself, really, its failures when it comes to inflation. What was really funny about this is this speech was completely political. This was a campaign address. It was a campaign address at the White House, which if you remember, how many times did you hear the liberal media complain that the president was being far too political? At the White House. The White House is uh, public property. It's the American people. You're supposed to be president there, not a candidate there. They got mad. They weren't, they didn't allow anybody to go anywhere. And so they had the, uh, the convention on the lawn. Oh, this is a huge violation. Every time Kaylee McEnany said anything about Democrats, somebody on the left, probably members of the media, filed a complaint with the Federal Election Commission saying she is electioneering on uh, federal property. Uh, every time Kellyanne Conway said anything, oh, they're violating the Hatch Act. Can you believe they're violating the Hatch This is wrong. This is wrong. This is wrong. Whoever wrote this speech for the president, because it wasn't him, he's not that bright. Whoever wrote this speech for the president yesterday was, is on the federal payroll. This is a political speech. There should be a complaint filed about using White House staff to campaign. Like I, When I worked for Senator Conrad Burns, 2006, I was there just for the year 2006. 2006 was the year he was up. We would have meetings, virtual meetings, well, phone meetings, conference calls, about the campaign. To, we had our cell phones that were government-provided, the Blackberries, because you had to be on call 24-7. We had phones on our desks. And once a week or every once every other week or whatever, just so we could coordinate and not uh, duplicate things that were going on with the campaigns. It was a different entity. And make sure that we didn't uh, step on any message. We knew what was going on, where the senator was going to be. We'd have to participate in these calls. It was very helpful. It made sense. But to do so, we couldn't just pick up our cell phones, our Blackberries, and call. We couldn't pick up our office desk phone and call into the conference call. We had to physically leave the United States Senate 
office buildings and go over to the Republican uh, National Senatorial Committee offices, which were a couple of blocks away, and go there for the phone call. We had to do that. Why? Because it's illegal to use even our government-provided BlackBerry for a conference call. Now, did people do it? People did it all the time. There's always a third of the United States Senate that's up for re-election. People were doing it all the damn time. We didn't do it. We knew that as Republicans, we would have been clobbered over it. So we didn't do it. But you see it constantly. They do it constantly. It's ridiculous. (laughs) But they do it. Because there would always be a Democrat, some liberal group going, we want to check the phone records of every... Well, they're, they're public... You can find them. I don't know if you can find them that easily. You have to sue. It, it's tougher to get them now. But if anybody did find out, to file a complaint, all you had to do was be standing next to somebody who heard you and said, that sounded an awful lot like a campaign-related event call. Uh, I'm going to file a complaint, and I have to find out, and you'll have to produce the evidence or face punishment. Not going to jail or anything for that. It's not that egregious, but it was part of the the uh, the job. Yet whoever wrote this speech for the president of the United States yesterday, clearly it was a campaign speech. He offered nothing, nothing new. He barely offered a defense of what he had done. It's how pathetic he knows his, uh, well, his speechwriters, he doesn't know, but it, how pathetic his speechwriters know his policies are doing. They don't even bother trying to defend them with any vigor. Then the, to the extent that they do, they lie about it. And then they lie about Republican, Republicans' plan. They want to do this. They want to raise taxes. That's where I want to start. I just have two clips for you because the whole speech was kind of... He started off not being able to string together coherent. He was not on his A game. He was not on his C game yesterday in reading the teleprompter. And he's out there, says the GOP wants to raise taxes. Now, there's no, the GOP does not want to raise taxes. There's no Republican plan that Republicans have signed on. If one senator from Florida, and it was Florida, not Wisconsin, but the president of the United States is not all there. He doesn't know. Uh, One guy floats an idea that doesn't mean anything. But when you're desperate, look, if you've ever seen anybody and not necessarily drowning, but having trouble swimming. Drowning, too, I guess. Uh, but drowning is more dramatic. With anybody drowning out there, they'll grab onto anything. They will grab onto anything. That's why it makes lifeguarding so dangerous, is when you go up to somebody, uh, you might be the strongest swimmer in the world, but that person panicking, that person panicking can drag you down. That person panicking can push you down. That person panicking will try to stand on you to save themselves. They're not thinking straight. They're not doing it out of malice. They are not thinking straight. That's what the Biden administration is. That's what the Democrats are. They are desperate. They are sinking. They are drowning. And so they are making things up. They are lying they are committing massive fraud and the media is enabling them by finding you know something a senator floated as a possible idea as saying well this is the republican plan this is the republican it's not the republican plan when you have zero support in your own caucus it is not the republican plan anyway 
Here's Joe Biden lying about the Republicans uh, yesterday, saying they want to raise taxes on the middle class, which is a lie. They don't want to solve inflation by lowering your costs. They want to solve it by raising your taxes and lowering your income. I happen to think it's a good thing when American families have a little more money in their pockets at the end of the month. But the Republicans in Congress don't seem to think so. Their plan has actually made working families going to make working families poor. There is no human being on the planet who believes this, except for maybe Joe Biden, because he believes whatever his staff has him read from the teleprompter. Well, the Republicans just want to help this. They want to do that. They want to do the other thing. They don't want to solve inflation. Joe Biden has no plan to solve inflation, to deal with inflation. What he wants to do is exacerbate inflation and cut people checks. If your government gives you a thousand bucks, but it costs you $1,200 more a month, give you a thousand bucks a month and it costs you $1,200 more a month to live, are you getting ahead? Is your government really helping you? If the thousand bucks they give to everybody in the country makes inflation worse and causes things to go up by $1,200, is, are you being helped? No, you're not. The new inflation numbers came out today, by the way, for last month. I want to read to you how Jim Shuto over at CNN, he's a CNN anchor and chief national security correspondent. <laughs> he's also a former Obama administration official. Yes, he worked in the State Department over there. They uh, don't care about the revolving. They only care when somebody goes from a Republican administration to Fox and vice versa. They don't care that half the people they work with over there, the little freaking weeble, he doesn't care that half the people he works with are currently basically freelancing as Democrat administration officials. Jim Shuto, newsman, tweeted out this morning when the new inflation numbers were uh, new. U.S. inflation took a breather last month for the first time since August. And you read that and you think, oh, wait a second, is inflation down? Am I going to be able to fill up my tank and buy food for my family at a lower price? No. This is spin. Jim Shuto, I'm embarrassed for him. I'm embarrassed to be the same species as him. Jim Shuto continues, Prices still increased, but at a slower pace than in previous months. The consumer price index was up 8.3% in the 12 months ending in April, a decrease from the 8.5% recorded in March. Wow! Let's plan the parade! A 0.2% decrease. For those of you playing the home game, that's a rounding error. That actually is a rounding error. <laughs> the best estimate gives you a margin of error of about 0.2 to 0.3% uh, percentage points in the consumer price index. But hey, Jim Shooter says it took a breather. You, had, you don't know how good you had it last month. I don't know if you were aware of this. But last month was just like the Roaring Twenties. It was just like the baby boom generation. It was, the gates were open. If you did not do well last month, if you weren't eating filet mignon, prime rib, all last month, well, that's on you, my friend. That's on you. You missed the boat. It's your fault. 
Can you imagine being this pathetic as a human being that you frame it this way because you're a Democrat hack? I took a breather. Yay, thank God. Oh, finally a respite from the crushing boot of inflation on our necks. Point two percentage points. Yay. When's the parade? Well, you take into consideration that the Biden administration is the people who are are the people who are churning out this data and they have every incentive and every pressure to cook the books as much as humanly possible and believe me they do and the best they could squeeze out of anything was 0.2 percentage points a rounding error a literal rounding error tells you just how bad things really are it tells you just how bad things really are. And then you've got our idiot president of the United States. Joe Biden was asked, because he's out there saying, Republicans don't want to do this. They don't want to do that on inflation. They don't have a plan. Somebody asked him, do you do you think you're, what you've done is working on inflation? Do you think what you've done has made things worse? Because you know his spending has made things worse. And this senile, doddering old fool said, no, no, no. He believes his policies have made things better. I'm not kidding. And do you take any responsibility for the inflation in this country? Do you take any responsibility for your policies? I think our policies help, not hurt. I think our policies help, not hurt. How? This reasons. Reasons. It's policies help, not hurt. Part of those reasons are that thousand dollars i told you about government sending money send more money send more money to people well the more money we send the higher inflation goes well then we need to send more money well then the higher inflation will go but then we need to send more money it's helping obviously does it matter if you're drowning in five feet of water versus seven feet of water versus two feet of water or does it just matter that you're drowning I think it just matters that you're drowning. Joe Biden doesn't seem to believe that or agree with that. But then again, he's drowned a long time ago or at least suffered severe oxygen deprivation, I suspect. You've got the idiot president of the United States be clowning himself. You, You almost feel bad for him. You sit there and you watch this and you go, where's Jill? Doesn't she? She's supposed to love this guy, Dr. Jill Biden. Doctor, the reverend Dr. Jill Biden. You watch the coverage. She went to Eastern Europe and she snuck into to Ukraine and met with uh, Zelensky. Oh, okay, congratulate or met with Zelensky's wife, actually, which tells you something that, <laughs> that the president of Ukraine is going. I'm not going to waste my time meeting with the wife of the president of the United States. All right, I got more important things to do, so let's not pretend I'm going to ignore this. And he sent his wife. And I, I got to say, and this is going to sound maybe jerky, but so many world leaders have gone in and out of Ukraine at this point, and they're having all these photo ops. You sit there and you go, what the hell? Isn't, isn't there a war going on? Isn't there a war going on? Now I know there's a war going on over there, but it, it's a lot of PR being done. A lot of PR being done. And that's because Ukraine is so dependent upon the rest of the world. You could, I don't know, maybe I'm too cynical. But in watching this thing at the beginning of this, I was like, yes, Ukraine, come on, go ahead. You can do it. Fight Ukraine. You can do it. And great. I still encourage them to fight. 
But you've got to sit there and wonder that, you know, Russia invaded Ukraine eight years ago, right? 2014, under Barack Obama and Joe Biden, they took over Crimea. They still hold it. So they got that. You couldn't, you knew that Russia had designs on more of the country. You knew Russia had designs on a lot more of the country. Eight years is a long time. Maybe you could have prepared a little better. The reason Ukraine hasn't been overrun isn't because Ukraine did that. It isn't even, it's partially because we sent them so many weapons. But at the most part, the biggest reason that Ukraine hasn't been overrun is because Russia has been such a failure, to be honest with you. Russia has been a complete, the Russian military is not a complete paper tiger. They've got nuclear weapons, so you can't call them a paper tiger. But uh, you can say that uh, they're not the powerhouse we thought they were. And in many ways, we're not the powerhouse we think we are. Our military is, it's a great military. The men and women in the military are great. The politicians who work at the Pentagon, the politicians who run the Pentagon and oversee the Pentagon, they're not so good. They put ridiculous restrictions of the rules of engagement on the, uh, the people there on our soldiers that they send into combat. We're sending you into combat, but make sure that you don't fire unless fired upon, no matter how great the threat, and don't fire upon anybody firing upon you if they are anywhere in the same zip code as children or women and any civilians or whatever. So you better make sure that you're firing at the right people at a time when you're fighting wars against people who don't wear uniforms. So you can't really pick out the civilians from the military. And then you tell the soldiers, if you do screw up, we're coming after you. We're going to prosecute you. You're going to spend the rest of your life in jail. Now, good luck. Go out there and try and survive. It's that bad. (laughs) It's illustrated. It's pushed to the point of absurdity to illustrate the point, but it's really almost to the point of absurdity. But back to Ukraine. We have been keeping Ukraine afloat. The West has been keeping Ukraine afloat. Billions and billions and billions of dollars. We just voted last night, Congress did, all but 57 Republicans, voted to send another $40 billion in aid to Ukraine. You want to help Ukraine? I'm fine with that. $40 billion is a lot of money. $40 billion is a lot of money. Did we need to send that? I don't think so. I don't think so. Especially at a time when we're going broke. $40 billion, I just looked it up. The GDP, the gross domestic product of Ukraine. Let's see, GDP... GDP, $155 billion for Ukraine as a GDP. We just sent them a quarter, about a, a little bit more than a quarter of their GDP, which is the House did. The Senate hasn't moved on it yet. That's a lot of money. Where's the accountability on this? Are they going to be done after this? No. 
At what point does Ukraine have to recognize that they're going to have to stand on their own? Now they're doing the fighting. I give them that. Although there are some weird people who went over there because they wanted to fight with them. But we don't seem to be really doing anything diplomatically to try to end this war. I have less of a problem with the government spending the money, although I do have a problem with the government spending the money. I have less of a problem with the government spending the money than I do the government spending the money while doing nothing, seemingly, to try to diplomatically bring about an end to this thing. The Biden administration seems to want to prolong this. The Biden administration seems to want to provoke things, make things worse, bragging, oh, we've provided intel. We've been responsible for killing Russian generals and taking out tanks and sinking ships. All we've done is we've given them the gun and uh, we pointed it at the Russians. We've forced them to pull it. Like, what are the Ukrainians doing? There's proxy wars. And then there's, we're doing everything except pushing the fire button. That's done by a Ukrainian. At some point, Russia is going to go, what in the hell? We're actually fighting the United States of America here. Maybe we should take on the United States of America. And if you want to go to war with Russia, I think Joe Biden is your guy. I think Joe Biden wouldn't mind a little bit of a skirmish with Russia because he needs a distraction from his failed economy. At some point, we're going to have to decide if we want this thing to go on or if we want this thing to end. The reason the Biden administration won't push for a diplomatic solution is twofold. They want to continue to humiliate Putin and deplete the Russian military because the military industrial complex likes the war and they're making money off of it. And also one that isn't really talked about is in the desperate scramble of Joe Biden to reinstate the Iran deal. We are not dealing directly with Iran. This is how screwed up international relations are. When you're sitting there trying to cut a deal with somebody and you can't talk to them because politically it would be damaging to the Biden administration if they were caught having little secret powwows with Iranian officials. So there's a go-between. There's a go and That go-between is Russia. So we are using Russia and Russian officials to talk to and negotiate with Iran. And part of that deal is benefiting Russia in many ways, many, many ways. Russia is taking care of themselves, of course, because that's what they do. That's what any country would do. The Biden administration doesn't care. They don't want you to know that we're using Russia to do this. They just want to reinstitute the the deal, some kind of deal, to reestablish Barack Obama's legacy pathetic but it really is that simple and that basic so they're giving away the store to russia over here and that would beg the question wait a second why are you fighting russians and killing russians here and then working with russians over here to get a deal with iran might that be why you're not i don't know either giving ukraine enough weaponry to actually defeat Russia, or might it be why you're giving them just enough to keep it going, the status quo? Why is it that you're doing this? 
And then why is it why you're bragging about this? And how can you believe your go-betweens with Russia uh, as Russia with Iran? How can you believe they'd have any of your interests at heart? Forget your best interests, any of your interests at heart while you're sitting there bragging about killing their military leadership. Russians are very proud people. I've always found that the people who have the least to be proud of are the proudest. I don't know why that is, but boy, howdy there. Whenever anybody's described as a very proud person, like look out. You see, the people on cops who, you know, have the wife beater t-shirts on, and they're going to, you, you're going to show me disrespect, the people who scream, you, how dare you disrespect me? They are uh, some of the least respectable people. Most people who are respectable, just it's not that important to them. They just won't surround themselves with other people. But the people who are the most proud, have the most pride, have the least to be proud of. And here we are sitting back, making fun, making money, making, making hay out of all of this and sending $40 billion over to Ukraine. Nancy Pelosi spoke on the House floor yesterday, and while our border is wide open, southern border is wide open, and they're getting ready to get rid of Title 42 to make it even worse, Nancy Pelosi spending $5 billion could secure the border down there. They won't spend that. $40 billion to secure the borders of Ukraine, that's okay. And Nancy Pelosi, the devout Catholic who absolutely loves abortion more than life itself, invokes the Bible in talking about this $40 billion. Check it out. The impact that, his, that it is having on food for the world. So when you're home thinking, what is this all about? Just think about when I was hungry, you fed me. In the Gospel of Matthew. It also is so pleased that Mr. Meeks, the chairman of the Foreign Affairs Committee, was with us because we talked about sanctions. Yeah, I thought you might explain it a little more, so I left that little tail on. She doesn't explain it. Oh, the Gospel of Matthew, when I was hungry, you fed me. Well, we've got real problems in this country. We're going broke. We have a baby formula crisis, Nancy. You're feeding Ukrainians and Americans can't feed their kids. You're sending $40 billion overseas at a time when Americans are, you know, it costs almost that much to fill up a semi-truck, which adds to the price of everything in the store because everything is delivered by truck. There's no beaming technology. It's not parachuted into the grocery store. You can tell a lot about people by their priorities. And if you're none of them, you got a problem. And with Democrats, the American people are none of their priorities. I want to shift gears and talk not about sports, but about someone in sports. Charles Barkley, Sir Charles Barkley. That was what they called him when I was a kid, back when he was in his playing days. Now he's an analyst at... uh, I think it's TBS. I don't. I really don't watch basketball, but I've always liked Charles Barkley because he he always seems like he's having fun, or most of the time he seems like he's having fun. And I like to be around people who are having fun. They enjoy life more when it's fun. And he golfs a lot. But he, I've seen him. If you've ever seen video of Charles Barkley swinging a golf club, not pretty. 
so Charles Barkley is like somebody who I think I could beat in a round of golf. Kind of also part of the appeal. But he's an outspoken guy, which means he is, he defies expectations. I like people who defy expectations. This is part of the reason why, and I know he drives people nuts, and he'll say things that uh, that one side or the other hates, and people hate him, blah, blah, blah. I don't hate Piers Morgan. I actually like Piers Morgan. I don't agree with Piers Morgan on most things, but he is interesting. He's interesting because you don't know what he's going to say. You don't know where he stands. You don't know where he's coming from on a particular issue. And I like that. It's not like he's, there are some people out there who just throw bombs. They don't give it much thought. There's nothing backing it up. They just like to throw rhetorical bombs. There's a market for that. You can get quite far being that way. You get a cable news deal being that, whatever. You just go and throw bombs for one side or the other. That's most of the people who you see on cable news. There's not a lot of thought behind it. They know their roles and they play their roles. With Piers Morgan, you don't know what he's going to say. You don't know where he's going to come down, but he's not just throwing rhetorical bombs. When he says something, he tries to back it up. Now, a lot of times he backs it up poorly. He backs it up embarrassingly poorly. It's not particularly convincing, but it doesn't matter. At least he has thought of it. You don't get the, you're not convinced by any stretch of the imagination, but you get the sense that he's thought about this. He's just come to the wrong conclusion. You can, I always talk about my love of geometry and love of proofs. And I realize I get the emails, makes me a weirdo. But I loved proofs. God, I loved proofs. But you could work on a very long proof and get it wrong. You can get it wrong. You can get it wildly wrong. Doesn't mean you didn't give it thought. Doesn't mean you didn't give it a shot. Doesn't mean you didn't go the way that you, know, you thought you were right. You were just wrong. And then when somebody shows you the right answer, especially in math, because there is like one answer, you go, okay, now I get it. Now I get it. With politics, it's different because it's a matter of opinion, really. But with Piers Morgan, you sit there and you go, I don't, I, when I agree with him, I really agree with him. When I disagree with him, I vehemently disagree with him. But I'm always interested in what he has to say because it's backed up. He has a thought process behind it, even when he's wrong. He's got a thought process. He's not taking a position because it's what is expected of him. He's not playing a role like so many people on cable news. Charles Barkley's the same way. I don't agree with him on everything. I see clips of him all the time because he says funny things. He says controversial things, and they tend to make the rounds on social media. So even if you're not watching basketball in his analysis, you can get a sense of what he's saying. In this case, though, he went on a podcast called The Pivot, which is apparently, I never heard of the guys, but it is old NFL players, right? former NFL players started a podcast. I don't know. It's, I think it's somehow related to Vox media. I can't be sure about that, but I think that's what the deal is. They produce it or it's listed as producing themselves, but it says NFL stars, uh, Channing Crowder, Fred Taylor, and Ryan Clark. These are the, uh, podcast hosts, former NFL stars, Channing Crowder, Fred Taylor, and Ryan Clark. I've never heard of any of them. I do watch football, not vehement, not adamantly, but I've never heard those names. So whoever they are, 
and I assume their star status in the NFL is a lot like a celebrity chef. You know, like, well, you just, you played there, so you're better than most people. You're a cook, so, and you've been on TV, so you're a celebrity chef. Maybe I'm wrong. Anyway, Barkley was on there, and he doesn't shy away from anything. It's also what I like about him. I don't like people who sort of hem and haw and try and avoid specific topics because they can either damage their brand or uh, offend somebody. Now, Charles Barkley, talk about whatever you want to talk about, seems like. So the idea of policing came up. And you wouldn't be surprised to learn that the hosts of this podcast are lefties and buy into the defund police, Black Lives Matter lies out there. But Charles Barkley doesn't. Charles Barkley did some basic research. Charles Barkley also lives life with his eyes open and recognizes that, uh, you know, black people are killing a lot of black people. Police officers are not killing a lot of black people. Why does one get attention and one doesn't? You know, and why does it when uh, a white person is killed by police, doesn't anybody care? And where are all these self-professed Black Lives Matter liberals and Black Lives Matter for that matter? When black lives are being taken in scores, they're nowhere. Listen to this exchange. The guys in the uh, podcast sound, well, they, they, it could be their red pill moment. It's kind of that moment where they're like, this, isn't, this can't be right. Can it? The, what, this is against the narrative, and it might well be the first time they've ever heard it. See, this is what first, when you have these idiots and fools talking about defund the police and everything, we as black people, we need the police. Now, when they screw up, they need to be held accountable. We also need them to be better. But they well. don't know. They need to be held accountable yes. when they screw up. Because I tell you this, Ryan, uh, who are black people supposed to call when we got crimes in our neighborhood? Ghostbusters? <laughs> I wasn't trying to laugh, right? No, no, no seriously. I'm, I, mean, <laughs> I, I, I said that. I don't know if that little thing they kick out yeah. with the little light yeah. going to do it. No, no, they ain't going to do it. Because yeah. let me tell you, you know who always going to have cops? White folks mm-hmm. in good neighborhoods. They always going to have cops. And for us to get out here, like I say, we need to, they need to do better. We need to hold them accountable. Yeah. One thing that really frustrates me, I never understand why black folks don't get mad when we kill each other. But like when a white cop kills a black kid, first of all, white folks come out. And I always say, well, why don't white folks come out when black folks kill each other? I guess it's like the popular thing to do to be seen on television marching with the black folk. But when black folks kill each other, they don't come out and march with us. Yeah, the virtue signaling. (laughs) I love it. Now, these guys look is a video podcast. The look on these other guys' faces is like, wait, I never thought of that before. I never thought. Wait a second. No, wait. What? What? Yeah, you're right. Hey, wait a second. Where are where are these white savior complex liberals when you know in Chicago twelve people are murdered over the course of a weekend? Where where are they? They don't they don't cover it. They don't dis- news organizations, national news organizations, NBC News. At least they used to. I assume they still do. Has a Chicago bureau, right? Meaning they have somebody on staff on the payroll in Chicago there in case something breaks in Chicago or the Midwest region. They sort of headquarter them in Chicago and then dispatch them around the region. Something happens in Michigan or Wisconsin or whatever. They're right there and they're able to get there faster. They have somebody on staff to do that. And they don't even cover what goes on in Chicago. They don't care. But 
If a police officer kills a young black man, doesn't matter if the dude's got a gun, doesn't matter if he was fighting with it, doesn't matter. It'll make news. And if it doesn't take off and go viral, then they'll go, all right, forget it. Moving on. That kid, uh, the guy who was fighting with the police officer in western Michigan, Kalamazoo or Grand Rapids, whichever it was, fought with a cop, got his taser away from him, ended up getting shot. That was a story for about two days until the video came out and said, oh, uh, yeah, I guess he was fighting with the cop. Then Ben Crump, his lawyer, said he was only fighting with police officers because he was scared. He was scared to get killed by a police officer, so he decided to fight with a police officer. On what planet does that make sense, Ben? You know, Ben said he's an immigrant. He was afraid of police. You never met the guy while he was. You never met the guy, Ben. How do you know what he was? He was also driving a car with uh, at least, I don't know if it was stolen or not, but it had the wrong license plates on it, which is, there's no circumstance under which that's an honest mistake. There's no way you can just go, oh, geez, I, I thought this was my car. I was walking around with my license plate and I thought this was my car. Or I was walking around with my license plate and I saw this car and I thought, this should be my car. This is my car, right? Let me just take this license. That's the way it works. As soon as you put your license plate on a car, that car becomes yours, right? There's no circumstance under which that is an honest mistake. So that story went away. But even the Chicago Bureau doesn't cover what goes on in Chicago. They don't care. They dispatch that dude to Western Michigan in the hopes of being able to make something out of it. They couldn't. The facts got in the way. So they sent him back to Chicago, and he, he sits there ignoring the bodies piling up outside his window. Now, Charles Barkley then goes on after he's already sort of confused these guys with some common sense. Charles Barkley goes back to the well and talks about how the media does. It depends. It goes to my flow chart, the hierarchy of what constitutes news. If it, first of all, the most important thing on top of the food pyramid is if an attractive white girl goes anywhere. The left is right about about that when they talked about that, that cute girl who was murdered by her douchey boyfriend who ended up killing himself. That that got national coverage. It's not a national story. It's a tragedy. It's a horrible story. But it's not a national story. And you saw all these lefties, and it's kind of funny, Joy Reid out there going... I can't believe we got missing white girl syndrome. They, the media just loves it. Well, what about these indigenous women who are missing? And what about these black women who are missing? And then this woman who has a show on every single weekday for an hour a day, after that rant, proceeded to cover none of them. They can't. The media isn't doing this, and then you go back to not doing it. You didn't do it in the first place. You say, the media isn't doing this, and then you go back to not doing it. She just wanted to gripe about claim racism oh they're just going after this gabby girl because it's racism they only care about her because she's white and then she proceeds to do a couple of weeks of shows on the missing girl because it it raided and then she says nothing about the missing black women that she just said nobody said anything about weird how that works isn't it well charles barkley is wondering similarly why it is that the media doesn't cover police officers shooting white people when police officers shoot a hell of a lot more white people than just about anybody else. We're killing each other at a much faster rate, at a much faster rate. And then to piggyback on one of your other points, 
The cops actually have shot more white people than black people. Because there's more of them, Charles. I, I know that, but I'm saying, why don't the media cover that? The media—because that's what one of my concerns are with the media. Are they with us against us? Because when the cops shoot white people, they never cover that. When a when a white cop kills a black kid, it's going right to CNN. They're gonna send a crew there. But and these are all the things I like to talk about because I think they are really important. They're really important. They are. And the guys are well. There's there's more white people. Okay. <clears throat> yeah, there are more white people. Let's, I mean, you can play the numbers game. Well, it, so what are you saying? The, the police should shoot even more white people? It's already like two to one. It's more than two to one. You want more white people shot or you want fewer black people shot? Is there a, a certain percentage where you, you should be like, okay, well, uh, black people are 12% of the population and they uh, were 11% of the people shot by police. So that sounds about right. That sounds about fair. No. You don't really get involved with police. You don't have interactions with police unless there's a reason to have interactions with police. Police, despite the way they're portrayed in Hollywood, police aren't just roaming the streets looking for somebody to fight with. It's just not how the world works. If you want to talk about police interactions, you can't say more police interactions. People are pulled over. It's horrible. It's racist. Every police interaction is racist. you got to look at uh, if you want to play the numbers game. I'd prefer you just you know, deal with crime, regardless of the skin color of the perp or the victims. You treat it all the same, but the left doesn't work that way. You want to play the game the left likes to pretend to be playing is you look at it and you go, okay, well, percentage of crimes committed. Let's take a look at the percentage of the population versus the percentage of the murders in this country. And you really want to talk about disproportionate, you really want to talk about things being out of whack, you will see a big out of whack thing there with the black population versus the black uh, perpetrators of murder. And victims of murder, by the way, as well. If you want to address the victims of murder, you've got to deal with this. But then that leads to, as you go down that road, that leads to wildly uncomfortable conversations for leftists. Not for normal people, but for leftists. Because it goes against so much of their agenda. You go down that road and you start talking about the disintegration of the family in the black community. You start talking about single mothers. You start talking about a failed school system and the teachers' union that perpetuates it and the political establishment that accepts it. You start going down that road, and there's nothing, nothing good for Democrats down it. Absolutely nothing. So they don't cover it. They don't talk about it. Instead, you get... uh, what the guys who host the podcast saying, well, they're, they're shooting more. There are more white people, so of course they're going to shoot more. You don't want to look at root causes. You don't want to talk about the real problems, and then you wonder why the real problems are never solved. There might be a connection between those two things. I'm just saying. By the way, so the Democrats being singularly focused on abortion, do you feel like Democrats are focused on the economy? Do you feel as though the Democrats are focused on... Uh, Inflation. Do you think Democrats give a damn about your grocery bill, your gas bill, your your electric bill, your anything? No, they don't. They don't. Today they're pushing a show vote, a show vote on. It's called the 
WPA, the Women's Health Protection Act. Now, what will it do? It will create a right to abortion through all nine months of pregnancy, which is more extreme than the American... Look, the American people, you can make an argument, hey, the American people are... uh, in favor of abortion. They don't want to see Roe v. Wade overturned or whatever the hell it is, that you, however they want to frame it. And depending on which poll you cite, you're right. But you can find a poll that says the exact opposite. However, when you drill down, first of all, most people don't understand that if Roe v. Wade were overturned, it won't make abortion illegal in the country. That is a common misconception and testament to just how bad our education system is. That being said, if you drill down deeper and you say about should there be any restrictions on abortion, you will find that upwards of 70 some odd percent of Americans will say, yes, there should be limits on abortion. It's uh, do your business or get off the pot. It is even pro-choice people or people who are nominally pro-choice people who say they will say, all right, make up your your mind. All right. Make up your mind. You got four months, make up your mind. You got three months, make up your mind. You got one, how long does it take to make up your mind? The answer is uh, Democrats don't care. The answer is Democrats recognize that their energy in their base comes from the radicals. And the radicals want abortion up until, you know, high school. Until the kid is old enough to have kids of their own. And like, that's the only way to avoid being aborted or the possibility of being aborted is for you to have your first abortion. So up until then, it's uh, it's game on. The sword of Damocles holding over, hanging over your head. I'm only slightly joking. These people really are this bizarre and this obsessed with it. So they've got the Women's Health Protection Act. The Women's Health Protection Act. National Reviews reporting on this. The Women's Health Protection Act creates a right to abortion through all nine months of pregnancy, John McCormick reports. It would create an absolute right to abort a child before fetal viability. That is according to the act. When a baby born would likely survive outside the womb and it would prohibit states from protecting life after viability until birth if a lone health care provider determined a, the continuation of the pregnancy would pose a risk to the mother's life or health. Now, health is life. I think most people could agree. If the mother's going to die, you don't want the mother to die. But the idea beyond that is it's the health. And this is where the left has really sort of always hung its hat on in their lawyerly, it depends on what the meaning of the word is, is answer to this issue. What about the health of the mother? The health of the mother. Well, they define health of the mother as the mother might feel depressed. If you wait, you're eight and a half months pregnant and you come in and say, you know what? The thought of being a mother now really depresses the hell out of me. Well, guess what happened? You're free to have an abortion under the health exception. Sounds perverse. Sounds like I'm making it up. I am not. The bill's chief sponsor, back to the National Review, the bill's chief sponsor in the Senate has acknowledged the legislation, quote, doesn't distinguish between physical and mental health. And the text of the bill explicitly instructs the courts to liberally interpret the legislation. 
There can be no doubt that the courts would broadly interpret health as physical, emotional, psychological, familiar, and to the woman's age. All these factors may relate to health. Are you going to have the SADs? Are you afraid of postpartum depression? If you are afraid of postpartum depression, well then, you may have an abortion of your eight-and-a-half-month-old fetus. Clump of, that clump of cells kicking you in the belly. That clump of cells that, uh, that is ready, that can breathe outside. You know, what's funny is the left always says, well, they, when you try to ban partial birth abortion, what did the left say? Well, nobody does this. It's not really a procedure. It's very rare. It doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. It, it, they vacillate between it never happens and it's very rare. So then why would banning it be a problem? If you banned, just like critical race theory, critical race theory isn't being taught in schools. It's not being used in schools. What are you talking Then why are you so upset that it's being banned, that any, that any legislative body would ban it being used in schools? If it's not happening, I will introduce a bill that bans the sun from rising in the West. And you go, well, sun rises in the East. Okay, well, then, you know, you don't have to support the bill banning the sun from rising in the West, but you shouldn't be opposed to it because it will literally have no impact. If I ban all unicorns from public parks, you think it's stupid. You think it's a waste of time. But if that's what you want to do, knock yourself out. That should be the attitude. All right, well, go ahead. At least you're not doing something worse. You're doing something crazy and stupid, but you're not doing something damaging to individual liberty. So uh, go ahead, ban unicorns from public parks. Go ahead, ban the sun from rising in the West. And they say, well, partial birth abortion doesn't happen. Okay, well, then let's ban it. No, 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 you can't do that. No, no, yeah, let's ban critical race theory from being used in school. No, 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 no. It's not being used in school. What does it matter? It's just this theory that is exclusively used in law schools, you told us. So, uh, you know, third grade isn't law school. So why don't we ban it from third grade? No, 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 you can't do that. Why is that? It's just weird. If people are late-term abortions never happen, except for in the case of life of the mother, life of the mother, not health, life of the mother, then banning them from happening, saying, okay, no partial birth abortion, shouldn't be problematic. By the way, partial birth abortion, this is, I apologize in advance, this is gruesome, but it is true, it's what it is. You think Democrat, Democrat, if you're, if you are, truly proud of something, an accurate description of how something is done should not make you squeamish. It shouldn't. It should be. Well, that's, yeah, that's how it is. If you believe that a, a fetus at eight and a half months is just a clump of cells that's kicking you there, uh, then just an accurate description of what a partial birth abortion is, is shouldn't bother you. But it does bother them, which is why I want to give you one. Right now, I'll try to be as ungraphic as possible while being as graphic as necessary. But a partial birth abortion is when a mother decides that they don't want to have the baby anymore, and the, they're eight and a half, eight months along, whatever viability is out there. They induce labor. They bring the baby out, breech, meaning feet first. 
They bring the baby out feet first, right up to the neck, to the base of the skull, at which point they puncture the base of the skull with a pair of scissors, insert a tube, and suction out the uh, cranial cavity, get rid of all the brains. Then they bring out the rest of the baby. Now, they do it that way because if they'd brought the baby out headfirst, the way a normal birth, a healthy birth, a good birth takes place, as soon as they got past the nose, the baby would breathe, at which point, according to law, the baby would be alive and what they're doing would be murder. So they do it feet first so they can technically avoid murder. Tells you something about these Democrats, doesn't it? They don't want you to know that, but now you do. Now, we're, uh, we have to, this is a somber, sad week, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, not because of the inflation numbers, not because of Joe, although that certainly doesn't help. But because this is the last week of Ginger Goebbels. Now, Ginger Goebbels is leaving on Friday the 13th to then go to her gig at MSNBC, where she's going to be hosting a show on uh, the Peacock streaming network. She is, uh, (laughs) it's going to be just a disaster. And she, uh, so I can't expect it to be good. There's no way it will be good. But that doesn't matter to MSNBC. The revolving door of uh, administration officials and uh, the media shall continue. But you can't expect success. You can't. As evidenced by, uh, well, they've already tried this sort of thing. Remember Simone Sanders? She was the vice president's spokesperson, Simone Sanders. She was also a uh, spokesperson for what's Bernie Sanders' presidential campaign. She's been all over cable news. She used to be, I think she was a CNN contributor. Good thing she, when she left the administration, she was one of more than a dozen lefties who worked in Kamala Harris's office who said, oh, good God, no, not going to be around for that. I'm getting, I can't stand working for this woman. So I quit. And she went back to media. Now, when she left media, she was presented with a choice that every leftist in this administration is presented with. Do you want to go to CNN or MSNBC? Do you want to go to CNN or MSNBC? Which seven figure deal do you want? And Simone Sanders, to her credit, chose right she chose msnbc she could have been one of the hundreds of people who were uh, up the creek without a boat over at cnn plus so she got her show on the peacock network which streams all of nbc content not just msnbc and so people subscribe to it because nbc has produced a whole bunch of things that people want to watch over the years unlike cnn That doesn't mean that because people subscribe to a service that anybody watches a particular show. Simone Sanders is learning that the hard way, and it could be foreshadowing for Ginger Goebbels as she heads over there. The New York Post has the story. Simone Sanders' popularity is about as bad as the approval rating of her former boss. The ex-Biden administration official who was most recently a top spokesperson for Vice President Kamala Harris tanked in her debut this past weekend on MSNBC, according to newly released data. 
from Nielsen. See, they try these shows on streaming and then they put them on cable. Sanders drew just six or 361,000 total viewers to her 4 p.m. show titled Simone on Saturday. She also managed to attract just 29,000 viewers from the advertiser coveted 25 to 54 demographic. That is, that is embarrassing. The program viewership fell short of Fox News Channel's Fox News Live, which drew 842,000, including 163,000 in the 25 to 54 demographic. (laughs) She needs to spend more time in the minors. She needs to spend more time. The problem is, though, it's not that you can polish this. You can't go, all right, well... Let's really double down on the Peacock show. Let's focus on the streaming. Let's do it is that she's bad at the job. It is that the message isn't even interesting to leftists anymore, especially on weekends. If you watch if you watch MSNBC during the week, I guess you could make a case You're like, all right, well, we've got to find out what's going on. Let's see what's happening in the world. But on the weekends, do you really want to sit there and marinate in this garbage even further? You're just Larry O'Donnell sitting there whining at you nonstop for an hour, five days a week about how this country is horrible and racist and blah, blah, blah. And you go, you know what? I'm not going to let this mentality ruin my Saturday. Pass. Watch Joy Reid's show. And you go, um, I, I'm not interested in having this garbage coursing through my veins a sixth or seventh day per week. If MSNBC had any standards, they'd fire these people. They'd rehash the whole thing. They'd redo the entire thing. They'd flush it and start over. MSNBC, NBC News has the resources to do actual news. They just don't. They just don't. None of them do. They're all pathetic. You watch, I was watching fox the other day and they were talking you know, like oh well for reaction we turn to this guy who hosts this show like why are you talking to your own employees you're a news organization there are members of congress 535 of them they'd all happily come on uh, at least half of them would happily come on your show and talk about what they're doing instead you have somebody on staff who hosts a show that is going to talk about it they know nothing it's got this stupid smile i swear to, i wish i could name this person but uh, they, you, you, well, unless you watch, you probably don't know who this person is. They're not wildly popular, but God, they're dumb. God, they're dumb. Sanders' debut program, and this is what makes Simone Sanders' show even more embarrassing for her and for MSNBC. Her debut show had Joe Biden on it, Dr. Joe Biden, the first lady of the United States. And they couldn't do anything. They couldn't do anything. The 32-year-old Sanders said last week that she would not be using the show as a platform to spread pro-Biden propaganda. (laughs) Quote, I'm not here to be the spokesperson for the Biden administration, she told The Hill. I had that job already. It just so happens that everything I say is already doing that. (laughs) I'm going to be honest. And sometimes the honesty means that what I have to say is not what the administration would have to say. And that's fine because it's my show. 
if a show falls in the woods and no one's watching it, does it still make a sound? Sanders program, which airs Saturday and Sundays at 4 p.m. and streaming on the Peacock thing, is uh, it's billed as covering a variety of topics from Congress to pop culture to stories beyond the Beltway. <laughs> Nobody's wa- this is the problem. This is why liberal talk radio doesn't work. This is you sit there and you go, well, what do you mean it doesn't work? Tom Hartman, Tom Hartman. Nobody listens. Do you know a single human being who listens to Tom Hartman? Honestly, do you, he's the most popular liberal talk show host in the country. Do you know a single human being who listens to him? The same could be said for a lot of the popular conservative talk show hosts in the country either. You sit there and you go, do you, do you know a single person who listens to and the odds are no. No, I only listen to talk radio, and when I drive across the country, I skim the radio dial to find whatever's going on. I used to be listen to the Rush, find the Rush station, and that had the good stuff. They can't do that anymore, sadly. But it is, uh, there are a lot of big names, quote-unquote, that I've never once come across on the radio dial. Makes you wonder how big they are. But then you realize the whole thing is image. Simone Sanders is hired because of her image. She carries the line. That's it. Just not working out for him. Couldn't happen to a nicer group of people. It's a shame, really. <clears throat> anyway, I've got to go. I've got to go to my big tour of the Mormon Temple. Tell you all about it tomorrow. I appreciate the use of your ears. It's another beautiful day. If you're in the area, get outside. It's supposed to rain this weekend, so enjoy it while you can. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow.